the song said that I'm a witness that he'll never walk out on you. And the primary purpose of a witness is to be able to testify to what they've seen and experienced. So I don't know about you, but do I have any fellow witnesses in the room tonight that can testify it's the Lord that's brought you through? When your money ran out, when friends could not help you, when mama and daddy could not help you, when pastor, you couldn't get a hold of him on the phone, uh, when your job ran out, when folks stabbed you in the back, when you cried yourself to sleep, it was the Lord that pulled you through. If that's your testimony, come on and just give God praise and tell him, thank you for pulling me through. Hey, 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 yeah. Come on, we can do better than that, church. You, you're waiting on me to push and prime you, but the Bible said, let everything that have breath praise the Lord. And I'm looking at a room full of people that's got breath. Come on, clap your hands. Come on, open up your mouth. Bless him with the fruit of your lips. Thank you, Lord, for blessing me. Thank you, Lord, for keeping me. Thank you, Lord, for delivering me. Hallelujah. Grab your neighbor's hand that you're standing next to. Squeeze their hand if you don't mind. Reach over and tell them, neighbor, the Lord pulled me through. And I'm standing here tonight only because of his grace. Come on. Come on, don't play with it now. We got a little bump. Come on, put your hands on that beat and come on, let's just give him a little praise break. Now, some of y'all looking around and having praised him all night. Don't worry about what she's doing. She's giving God praise. Praise is not a spectator activity. Praise is a group activity. It's personal. So come on, put your hands together and let's give God praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're praying all over the sanctuary. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for the reality in which we live, and that is that you are the reason that we live. You are the reason that we move. You are the reason that we breathe. It all is possible because of you. So we thank you, Lord, tonight. We thank you for a worship moment. We thank you for praises that these singers have lifted. We thank you for the prayers that have been lifted. But now, Lord, we need to hear 
from you. So we pray now, Lord, that you would remove the distractions so that your people may be able to hear a word from you. Increase, Lord, and decrease me. Release now the anointing that makes preaching easy. It's in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Certainly we rise giving glory and honor to God who is unequivocally the head of our life, the sustainer and the creator of this world and our entire universe to his son, Jesus the Christ, my personal savior and the redeemer of all humanity and to the Holy Ghost that is and forever shall be present comforter and indweller. We certainly give honor to the angel of this house, Pastor Ventus, and for his wonderful leadership and for his hospitality. Come on, you can celebrate this man of God better than that. Amen. Certainly to all the brother and sister clergy that are in the house tonight, uh, to uh, the assistant pastor, amen, whose leadership I'm under at the Inspirational Baptist Church. We thank God for Pastor Willie Franklin and for his presence here tonight, for my brother beloved, uh, Minister Lee, and to Minister Graham, who we met on tonight. We thank them for their presence here, uh, to all of the ministers that are in the congregation. We thank God for you and to the outstanding leaders of this great church. What a blessing and privilege it is to be here on tonight. Certainly, I've got to thank God. I've got three of the most important women here in my life. My wife is here, and she's stunning, isn't she? She's beautiful tonight. Amen. My wife is here. My daughter is here. Amen, Noel. And my mother is here tonight as well. So we thank God for them and uh, all of what they mean to me. We don't want to labor long. There are a few saints here from the Inspirational Baptist Church, and we see you, and we thank God for your presence here tonight. Amen. We want to move quickly to the Word of God. It's Thursday night. We've got another watch on tomorrow, and y'all got to get to work in the morning. So we're going to try to move along. Amen. There's a word from the Lord that can be found in the second chapter of Luke. The second chapter of Luke. And we'll begin reading at the 41st verse. Believe it's the custom of the house to stand for the reading of God's word. I will be reading the New King James Version. I ask that you would follow along with me uh, silently as I read aloud. Luke chapter 2, verse 41. Let's jump. I read verse 40 for context. And the child, Jesus, became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Verse 41. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. I'll go on. Now, so it was that after three days, they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. 
want to stop there and really focus in on verse 43. When they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. Want to talk from the subject tonight, don't lose Jesus. Don't lose Jesus. Gandhi, the great Hindu who led the nonviolent movement to secure the nation of India's independence from Britain and whose ideals impacted uh, the great preacher and leader of our civil rights movement, Martin Luther King Jr., once said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. His words are truly strong and a stringent critique because he is articulating that oftentimes we as Christians do not display and reflect the characteristics of the one who we claim to follow. And while I may not agree with Gandhi's theology, I do agree with this thought because our influence and impact should not just be felt amongst ourselves in the sanctuary, but folks in the street ought to notice something different about us. We, we are salt, we are light, and we are the ambassadors of the abundant life that Christ offers to all humanity. And as we gather for revival tonight, I could not help but think that if we, the church, uh, uh, we as individuals, we as believers are responsible for being the vehicle to offer the life-giving and liberating gospel of Jesus Christ, could it be that we would be found guilty of contributing to the spiritual death of people around us? Uh, and as we endeavor to engage our youth tonight, uh, the reality is the question we must pose, is it really the culture or has it been the church that's done the most damage? Uh, I believe we are spiritually killing people in the church with our own hypocrisy because those of us who have known the Lord a little while look down on some people that don't have it all together yet. But the truth is none of us really have it all together. Uh, there's division amongst our elders and our youth, and often the only difference is, is that the elders have just learned how to cover their sin up. We're killing people not only through hypocrisy, but we're spiritually killing people through heresy. Because some of the things that we, we see on TV and what we hear on the internet is simply false doctrine. Because knowing Jesus is not an escape from difficult times, but knowing Jesus is an escape in difficult times because you realize that yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death in those difficult times I don't have to fear because I know he's with me 
We're not only killing people through hypocrisy and through heresy, but we're killing people through helplessness because we see a church on every corner in our communities, but the communities and neighborhoods surrounding those churches are not getting any better. And truth be told, it seems that they're getting worse because we in church are still arguing about robes and budgets and chairpersons and bulletin covers and complete missing the point that we can't be so focused on what's going on in here that we miss meeting the needs out there. But I believe we're also spiritually killing people through haughtiness uh, because people have now begun to use church as a place to get famous and to get positions. Uh, uh, the Lord did not call any of us to be celebrities, but to be servants for him and other people. Uh, and if Jesus, the Savior of the whole world, says he came not to be served, but to serve, why is it that we preachers need six people to help us carry our Bibles from the pulpit to our seat? Because you don't need a title to tell somebody about Jesus. And the Holy Ghost is challenging us tonight, church, that if we're committed to this life-giving and liberating work of the gospel of Jesus, then we've got to make sure we don't lose Jesus in the process. Nudge your neighbor and tell them, don't lose Jesus. Let me be clear. I'm not suggesting that you can lose your salvation. Because if we could lose salvation, all of us in here would have already lost it. But I believe the Bible tells us about the theological concept of the perseverance of the saints that once you're saved, you're always saved. Because John tells us in the gospel of chapter 10, verse 28, and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone be able to snatch them out of my hand. But what I am suggesting is that what we can lose is the power, productivity, and spiritual intimacy that comes with being in a relationship with the Lord. You can ask Samson. He laid down in Delilah's lap because she was fine, and he ended up getting his hair cut. One day woke up, thought he could fight off those Philistines and come to find out that the spirit of the Lord had departed from him. Ask King Saul. He did not obey God's commands, and he got jealous of David, and it come to find out that the Lord sent a spirit to torment Saul and told Saul, your time is up. You are no longer anointed as my king. And as we shine the sermonic spotlight in on our text, it serves as a warning and a clarion call to protect us from the potential tragedy of losing Jesus. The first thing our text lifts up to us tonight is that we can lose Jesus, listen now, in religious routine. Because we find Mary and Joseph and Jesus in our text, they are traveling to Jerusalem for the Feast of Passover. Uh, and the Passover celebration is the celebration that commemorates the night the deaf angel passed over the houses of the Israelites while they were enslaved in Egypt. You know, they put that blood on their doorposts. And then the deaf angel went to the firstborn of all the Egyptians and slayed them. And because of this act, 
act of God, Pharaoh decided to emancipate the people out of bondage. So the Jews every year would travel to Jerusalem to celebrate uh, and to praise God for this miraculous event. Now, Mary and Joseph, the Bible tells us, were devout followers of the law, so much so that Luke 2 and 41 says that they went to Jerusalem every year. Let me put it in contemporary terms. Mary and Joseph were at church every Sunday. Mary faithfully served on the Sunday school ministry. Brother Joseph was one of those good, dependable deacons that didn't give pastor no trouble. They gave their tithes. They came to Bible study. They came to revival services. They were involved in their church. But after service was over, after Passover got done, the Bible tells us Mary and Joseph leave Jerusalem. They left New Mission not realizing Jesus was still there. And what a calamity it is to come to church, go through all the religious routines, sing our songs, read our Bibles, pray our prayers, and end up leaving Jesus there. And can I suggest to you that anytime we gather without lifting Christ as our primary focus, we're in danger of losing Jesus. Because oftentimes we get caught up in the pageantry of church and we miss the presence of Christ. When we can buy a new outfit for church but then don't have no money to put in the offering to keep the church going, we're in danger of losing Jesus. When we're concerned about our seat in the sanctuary but having went before the mercy seat of the Lord in prayer all week long, we're in danger of losing Jesus. When, when we can go to the bingo stadium and we can go see Xavier and UC play and we nearly lose our minds over a sporting event, but then when somebody says, lift your hands in the sanctuary, we play cool and act like it doesn't take all of that. We're in danger of losing Jesus because the prophet warns us, Isaiah 29 verse 13 tells us that the people, they draw near me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, meaning they'll go through the routine. They'll, they'll, they'll come to church. They, they know when to say amen. They, they know when to lift their hands, but their heart, the seat of their emotions, their true character is far from me. And we must realize that being a Christian is not just something we do but it has to be something we are. It, 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 it's, it's, it's who we are, and there's a big difference between doing and being. And the biggest challenge I think we face in our churches uh, is the paradigm of having church, doing church, versus being the church. Because having church will have you rehearse your activity. But being the church will have you praying that the Lord will send the anointing and that he will show up. Having church, you will memorize all the lyrics for your songs, but 
being the church will have you thinking about those lyrics and how they apply to your daily life. Uh, uh, having church will have you just reading the scripture when it's put up on the screen, but being the church will have you opening up your Bible when there's no screen and there's no preacher. Because what we have to do is become concerned about the condition of our heart and what's going on on the inside. So the question becomes, Pastor Franklin, how could Mary and Joseph lose Jesus? This is the same Jesus who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So Mary knew how, and Mary and Joseph knew how precious and special he was. How could they let him out of their sight? Jesus, who angels appeared and announced his coming. Jesus, who was worshipped by the wise men. How could they lose Jesus? The Bible tells us that they supposed or that they assumed everything was all right. It's in verse 44. Because they assumed, they supposed that Jesus, watch me now, was traveling back with an acquaintance or a relative. Because during the feast of the Passover, it was customary that the children and adults would be in separate groups as they traveled back to their hometowns from their pilgrimage to Jerusalem. So Mary and Joseph thought somebody close to them had Jesus, so everything was all right with them. Listen, this suggests that not only can we lose Jesus in religious routine, but we can lose Jesus in relaxed responsibility. Because Mary and Joseph assumed that Jesus was with somebody else. And this lack of responsibility manifests in our own lives when we rely on other people to maintain our spiritual relationship with the Lord for us. See, because being around people of faith may help develop your faith, but it does not guarantee that a change in your heart has been has taken place. And young people, if this is why it's really important because you can come to church and not be saved. You can come to church and do the activities but not submitted your heart and submitted your life to the feet of Jesus. And we've got to understand that church attendance is not salvation. We cannot rely on what grandmama and mama have done for us, but we have to know the Lord for ourselves. You've got to look at Judas of Iscariot. Here it was, he walked with the disciples. Here it was, he walked with Jesus. Here it was, he saw all the miracles. He was in some of the best church services you could imagine. He saw blinded eyes open. He saw lame legs get up and walk. But at the end of all of that, he still betrayed Jesus. And that is why we have to know the Lord for ourselves so that we can ensure that our relationship with him is genuine and not based on our relationships with other people. Because too often we let them 
be responsible. But I believe there's some witnesses in the room that can testify you can't tell it like I can tell it what the Lord has done for me. You can't read that scripture like I can read it, that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved because I know he picked me up and he turned me around and he changed my life. You can't sing that song like I can sing it for every mountain that he's brought me over, for every trial that he's seen me through, for every blessing. Hallelujah. You can't sing it like I can sing it because you don't know my mountain and you don't know my trial. So don't judge my hallelujah and don't judge my shout because you can't do it like I can do it. You can't read that scripture like I can read it. Weep in May, endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning because you don't know how long my night was and you don't know how good my joy is because the joy that I have, the world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. You can't pray that prayer like I can pray it. Our Father who art in heaven. I know him to be a father because he's been with me in my time of trouble. He, he's been closer than a, any brother. You can't pray that prayer like I can pray it because it's a personal thing for me. And we've got to be active and accountable in our relationships. And that's the problem when, when we allow church to be the emphasis of our relationship. Church is not the emphasis. Faith is the emphasis. Because Hebrews 11 and 6 says, it is impossible to please the Lord without faith. And the Greek word that the writer uses in that verse for faith is a uh, to believe to the extent of complete reliance and trust. Uh, this means that it is a wholehearted dependence upon the Lord. And for that faith to grow, it takes sacrifice. It, it takes developing our spiritual man. It, 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 it takes doing certain things. And I believe it's three things, and I'm on my way to my seat. We, we, we have to monitor how we develop our faith. Because there's three things that can hinder and tear down our firm reliance on the Lord. See, sometimes you can just simply stop believing. That's what happened in John 6 and 66. Disciples that followed Jesus, uh, uh, they just began to stop believing because crisis may have come in their life. Tragic situations might have arisen. A loved one might have died, and that caused them to stop believing. And the enemy knows how to use the very situations that should draw us closer to the Lord against us so that we began to turn away from the Lord. And so the enemy is strategic in trying to get us to stop believing. But the second way our faith is adversely impacted is that you and I starve our own faith. Uh, this occurs when we don't feed it. You know, Romans 10 and 17 tells us that faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. And sometimes we've got to put down Oprah and uh, Ayana and fix your life, and you've got to turn to the one who gave you life and get the instructions he gives so that your faith begins to grow. And the third way that we kill our faith is by strangulation. 
And this occurs when we decide that we are going to live an unrepentant lifestyle knowing what we're doing is wrong. Now, let me pull over here because we don't hear a lot of holiness preaching anymore. Uh, we don't hear a lot of uh, a, a lot of holiness is still right preaching anymore because we we are sensitive to people's feelings and I understand that we have to to package the gospel message in love that's what Jesus and our father is God is love but we've got to understand and we've got to be honest with people those of us that have made some mistakes those of us that have not crossed every T and dotted every I we've got to be transparent enough to tell these young people baby I know it don't seem right now but holiness is right because if you go down that path this is what happened to me and I want you to avoid that outcome okay let me let me get real I don't want you to start having sex before you get married because you get connected to people that you should have never been connected to I, I don't want you to start drinking and smoking weed I know it's on TV and I know they want to legalize it but if you go down that path you can end up addicted I don't want you to go down the same path I went down by shacking and living with that no good Negro because you've got to understand that once you begin to give him benefits that a wife gives her husband and you just a girlfriend, he'll begin to disrespect you and treat you wrong. We have to be honest with our young people and transparent so that they do not strangle their faith through their sin. I'm on my way to my seat not only do we see we can lose Jesus in religious routine, being more mindful of doing church than being the church. Not only do we see we can lose Jesus in relaxed responsibility because we don't take ownership and personal accountability of developing our own faith. But there's good news in the text. It's there in verse 45 because Luke tells us that when Mary and Joseph could not find Jesus, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. And the Greek word Luke uses here uh, for seeking means to passionately endeavor to go after something. So although Mary and Joseph had lost Jesus, because of their passionate pursuit, they end up gaining a renewed relationship. Can't you see Mary and Joseph with tears in their eyes running and yelling, stopping strangers and asking them, have you seen a 12-year-old boy named Jesus? Uh, they're frantically looking for him. Maybe they grabbed one boy and turned him around and saw that that was not Jesus. Mary is screaming, Jesus, Jesus, where are you? And finally, when they get back to the city of Jerusalem, they get to the temple and there they find Jesus sharing in great wisdom with the teachers. Now, don't get too critical of Mary and Joseph because at least when they recognized they lost him, they went back to church to find him. And when Mary and Joseph find Jesus, he tells them in response to them, didn't you know I would be about 
my heavenly father's business. And while we may lose Jesus, the good news is, is that Jesus has never lost us. Jeremiah said in 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Proverbs 8 and 17 says, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me. And sometimes it takes almost losing something to recognize how valuable it truly is. And it's when we fall down that we realize how good the Lord really is because he's right there to pick us up again. And we search for solutions in our own strength only to find that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We search for love and sex and bad relationships only to find out that Jesus is the true lover of your soul. And we have to declare, oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. And we search for answers in bottles of alcohol and blunts only to find that a high only numbs the pain for a little while. But Jesus can take all your pain away. But I believe somebody can testify tonight that they searched all over and couldn't find nobody. I looked high and I looked low, but I still couldn't find nobody. Nobody to love me like Jesus can love me. Nobody to hold me in my midnight hour like Jesus can hold me. And I've learned several things about the Lord. You may not have the designer clothes that you want, but you know how to take off your garment of heaviness and put on your garment of praise. You may not have the new Jordans or the stiletto red bottoms, but his word has been a lamp unto your feet uh, and a light unto your path. Uh, you may not have uh, the biggest home on the block, uh, but you know the Lord will be your shelter in the time of trouble. Uh, you may not have uh, a spacious walk-in closet uh, in your bedroom, uh, but you know how to open the door uh, of your prayer closet uh, and get in connection uh, with the Father. Uh, and you may not have uh, a whole lot of people uh, that you can call friend, uh, but I know somebody uh, whose line is never busy, uh, and you can call him up uh, and tell him, what you want. Uh, grab your neighbor uh, by the hand uh, and hold their hand uh, and tell your neighbor, uh, can't nobody uh, do me like Jesus uh, and can't nobody uh, do me like the Lord can. Uh, well, if you believe it, uh, you ought to stand on your feet uh, and help me give God praise. Uh, if you believe it, uh, you ought to wave your hand. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've got so many reasons uh, to give God praise. A, he's been awesome, and B, he's been good. C, he cares for me. D, he delivered me. E, he's my everything. F, he's been a friend when I didn't have no friends. G, he gives me grace. H, he's my heavy load sharer. I, he is incredible. Huh? J, 
he give me joy. K, he's king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And he's mighty in battle. N, he's Nicodemus' night school teacher. Oh, he's omnipresent and omniscient. P, he is precious. Q, he give me blessed quietness. Ah, he's my righteous redeemer. He's my soothing savior. He's my talented teacher. He's my way over. And you, he's my way under. V, he give me victory. W, he is wonderful. X, can I bow an E? He is excellent. Y, I once was young, but now I'm old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. I got one more for you. Zion is calling me to a higher place of praise. Is it anybody here that can give God praise? I know one more thing that he's done for me and that he's done for you. He will never lose us because one Friday they led him to a hill called Calvary. They put nails in his hands and they put nails in his feet and he hung his head in the lock of his shoulder and he died for you and for me. But that's not how the story because in three days he got up with all power in his hand wonder working power was in his hand saving power was in his hand healing power was in his hand yeah yeah hey Reality is this, is that Jesus is so gracious. Jesus is so merciful. Paul told us that while we were yet sinners, he died for you and for me. And tonight I think revival is a good time to check the pulse of your relationship with the Lord. I've been in church all my life. My mother raised me in church. And you can be raised in church and not know Jesus. You can sing, you can dance, you can mime, you can preach, you can do some of everything and not know the Lord. But tonight, don't walk out of this sanctuary without being assured of your salvation. And I don't know the protocol of this house for forgive me, Pastor, but we're going to do it this way. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We've got Folks in this sanctuary from two months to gray hairs. We've got folks in this sanctuary who have been members of a church probably longer than I've been alive. 
We've got talented people, gifted people, loving people, mothers, fathers, brothers, and sisters. But don't let anything distract you tonight from being honest with the Lord. Every eye is closed except mine. Every head is bowed except mine. Tonight, let's be honest with the Lord. If you need to surrender your life to the Lord, if there's unrepented sin in your life, if you need to come back to Christ tonight, just lift your hand in the air. I see you. I see you. No need to be ashamed. No need to be fearful. This is between you and God. And ain't no need of hiding from him because he already knows. I see your hands. I see your hands. I see your hands. I see your hands. Church, there's hands lifted. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your saving grace. Father, we thank you for your mercy. Father, we thank you for saving us. Father, we thank you for dying for us. Father, we thank you for the blood that justifies us, that cleanses us, and that washes us. You thought that we were worth saving. You thought enough of us that you gave your life. And tonight, Father, you saw the hands that are lifted. You know the hands that weren't lifted that needed to be lifted. And Father God, we pray tonight that you would give the gift of salvation or the assurance of salvation. We curse any plan of the enemy that tries to attack the salvation of your people. We curse the plan of the enemy that seeks to plant seeds of doubt and seeds of unbelief in the lives of your people. Father God, we pray that on tonight, our spiritual lives will be reinvigorated for you. We pray tonight, Lord, that we just don't say we've come to church for service, but that we can be honest that tonight we've been revived. We don't want to lose you, Lord. We don't want to stand in error against you, Lord. So, Lord, we thank you tonight. We take the step tonight, Lord, to say that we surrender everything to you. We submit to your will in every area of our life. We thank you for this time, Lord, and we thank you for the opportunity that you've given us, a free gift of eternal life with you. Father, it's in your son Jesus' name that we count it done and that we believe. And the whole church said, amen. So you came and changed my life. You thought I was worth keeping. So you cleaned me up inside. You thought I was to die for. So you sacrificed your life so I could be free. So I could be whole. So I could tell. 
So I could be 